Welcome to Peak City Church. We pray that this message fills you with hope and encourages you wherever you are. Also, follow us on social media at Peak City Co. to stay connected with us. Be blessed. Okay, uh, if you have a Bible, get to Luke chapter 12. Uh, Luke chapter 12, we've been in Luke 12 for the entire month. And uh, we've been walking through this series called One Word That Can Change Your Life. And the word is enough, right? So three weeks ago, we said that you can declare over your life this powerful truth that because of Jesus, I am enough, right? Because of his declared value over your life, you don't have to walk in insecurity and weakness. You can walk in confidence. You are enough because Jesus has, has declared you are. You're worth enough to die for, right? And that's a beautiful thing. Then two weeks ago, we talked about greed, and we talked about how all of us are in this endless pursuit of enough. And we're all in this hamster wheel trying to earn more and earn more. And we're always worried about money. And Jesus comes along and says, actually, if you would just come to me, you would see that you can actually say over your life, I have enough. Whether I have a lot or little, I'm good. I have enough, right? I, I can get off the hamster wheel that the rest of the world's on. Then, then last week, we talked about worry and anxiety. And we said that because of Jesus, you can stand up face-to-face with anxiety and worry. And you can say, I've had enough. I'm done with it. I'm not worrying about my little kingdom anymore. I'm going to turn and focus on something bigger than myself. I'm going to build God's kingdom and whatever happens, happens. I'm done with worry and anxiety. All right. I am enough. I have enough. I've had enough. Now today's message is the last one. Um, but I have to confess to you, there really is no other way to use the word enough. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to try to like preacher stretch that thing in like, Here's another way that kind of works and jam it into the text, but it's just not there. So, um, but I still believe because we've been in Luke 12, uh, as I was reading, I think Jesus has one more message to bring to us that I think will tie a real good bow on this whole deal. And um, the, the, the title of my message today is If You Stay Ready. All right, if you stay ready. Um, my boy Emmett, my oldest son, he's 10 years old. He's always been a big fan of uh, hip hop. Uh, big rap music fan. And so as a pastor, as a Christian, I have to steer him into uh, listening to music that's appropriate for him. And um, that's sometimes difficult. And so I, I tried to steer him in the ways of Christian rap. But if you ever looked at Christian rap, that's a desolate world out there. That's a bad, like there's not much out there, man. It's rough. It's rough. It's bad. Uh, so like I steer towards Andy Minio and Lecrae, you know, there's some, there's some hits out there. And then occasionally I pepper in, cause I gotta like, I gotta develop this boy's taste for good music. You gotta pepper in a few like clean versions of Kendrick, Jay-Z, Kanye. It's clean for now. Um, but there's a song that Andy Minio uh, came out with several years ago that my son latched onto when he was like four years old. And, and, and the, the hook in it is if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Right, and he says that over and over. So my son just like adopted that. Like, that. That was his life motto for a few years. And so like we, we would say it to each other all the time. Like before he goes to school, I'd say, hey man, have a great day. If you stay ready. And then he'd say in his little tiny five-year-old voice, you ain't got to get ready. You know, it was just so cute. It was so cute. Before basketball game, hey man, you ready? If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. I got it, dad. I'm, I'm there. If you stay ready, if you stay ready. I think that what God wants to do today is I believe that he wants you to be ready for whatever it is that he's about to do in your life. For some of you, he wants you to be ready for what he's currently doing in your life. You just don't even see it. See, there's, there's so much that God wants to do in your life. I believe with all of my heart because I've seen it. I read it in scripture. I see it in your life. I've seen it in my life that God is, God is working in your life even when you don't believe in him just yet. Even when you aren't aware 
I mean, come on, some of us in the room have stories where we started following Jesus and then all of a sudden we looked back on our life and we're like, oh my gosh, look at how he was working. We didn't even see it, right? And the thing is, God wants to move in your life. God wants to work in your life. But if you aren't ready, you're going to miss it. All right, you're going to miss it. And today, I believe he just wants to position your heart and to position your mind to be ready for this, all right? If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. All right, Luke chapter 12, we're starting in verse 35. Are y'all ready? If you stay ready, you wouldn't have to get ready. I would have to ask the question. Um, <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verse 35. I got I to gotta say this to you before I read it. Oh man, there are days, there are some, sometimes in messages where I see what God has asked me to preach on. And I can see it and it's just so easy to understand. And it's like a beautiful passage that everyone can relate to. And it's just like, oh, it's like smooth, man. It's almost like too easy. And I wish that that was today. It's not though. The passage we're going over today, the, this next part of Luke 12, I just got to tell you, it's, it's a difficult one to swallow. It's a hard one to comprehend. It's a little confusing. I know sometimes churches like to pretend like Jesus was this like, uh, you know, perfect TED talk communicator that always you know, gave things in such a palatable, easy way to understand with clear next steps. Then you have to, if you actually read the words of Jesus, you know, he said some confusing stuff. It's because he wants you to lean in. He wants you to unpack. He wants you to wrestle with it. He wants you to really focus on it because that's where growth, growth doesn't always come easy, you know? And so today, I just got a warning before I read it. It's a little weird. All right, it's a little weird. Let's jump in. Verse 35. He says this. He says, be dressed, ready for service. There's the word, ready. And keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. So that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. And, and it's going to be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. He will have them recline at the table and he will come and wait on them. It's going to be good for those servants whose master finds them, there it is again, ready. Even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready. You got to be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. All right, now pause. I know that when I read this verse, if, you, if, you've, if you're familiar with, even if you haven't been in church for that long, if you've been around Christian culture, you know that this verse is usually used by preachers like me in churches like ours to scare people into faith. Like, you don't know when Jesus is coming back. You got to be ready. And for those of us that have said yes to Jesus, we're ready. But if you haven't, you better turn or burn, burn. That's a phrase. That's a phrase the church has actually used. You understand how sick that is? Like, just the meanness of that, turn or burn. Church has used verses like these and passages like these to scare people into faith. You got to get your fire insurance. You better turn and burn. Eternity's coming, right? And, and now here's the deal. While I hate how churches have used that, I hate the tone and tenor of that. I hate trying to scare people into faith. I, I, all of it just feels so, uh. I also cannot ignore the reality of what scripture teaches, Right? I can't act like it doesn't say what it says because, you know, here and actually more directly in various other parts, it is very clearly taught in scripture that eternity is long and real and this life is very short and fleeting. And the only thing that will matter 
Scripture teaches it. Jesus said it. New Testament teaches it. The only thing that's going to matter at the end of your life is what you did with Jesus. It's the only, it's, it'll be the most important decision you ever make is saying yes to Jesus. I cannot ignore that. I cannot deny that there, there's a reality of hell. There's a reality of heaven. There's a reality that eternity is real. And this, you, you can't deny any of that, right? And, and that's why you need to know, that's why the mission is so important. That's why we talk about inviting your friends to church. That's why we talk about loving your neighbors. That's why we do decision time at the end of every message. Because my God, there is nothing more important than declaring the love of Jesus for the world and, and giving people the opportunity to respond to it. It is so important. The mission is so urgent. That's why Baptism Sunday is so big. I mean, so many people are, are making this decision today and it is the symbolic representation that they have made the biggest decision of their lives. It's beautiful. We can't, just because it's uncomfortable, just because it's not PC, because you know it's not a very PC thing to say, Jesus is the only way and there's an eternity and if, if you don't deal with it, like there's gonna be some consequences. Like that's not, but just because it's not PC and just because this doesn't sound great, and just because preachers in the past have used it and weaponized it doesn't mean we can just like act like it's not real, right? We got to actually say what the Bible says. And, and if you're skeptical of faith, you should appreciate that. Like we're, we're not trying to trick you. We're not trying to deceive you. We're not trying to paint this pretty picture for you, but then it's actually something else. No, no, no. Like we're just going to tell you exactly what it says, and, but with love and with grace. However, Jesus, when he said this, and all of us are thinking, turn or burn, eternal damnation, hell. He said it, Jesus spoke these words to everyone. Remember the context of Luke 12. Luke 12 is thousands of people gathered to hear Jesus, including his closest followers. And so as he says, hey, you got to be ready. The son of man is going to come back. You don't know when. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come into your life. You got to be ready. As he said it, he was looking at Peter, one of his closest disciples. He was looking at James, one of his closest. He was looking at John. One of his, he, he was looking at Mary Magdalene, one of, one of his most sincere, devout worshipers. And he was saying, you have to be ready. And, and, and it was a little disorienting to them, right? They're like, wait, 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 wait. Um, you're looking at me right now, Jesus, and I'm not entirely sure you're talking to me <laughs> because I'm good, right? Like, I'm good. Jesus, I'm a follower of yours. Why are you speaking to me? about this. In fact, Peter says so much. Look at the very next verse. Look at verse 41. Peter asks, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? I'm trying to figure out, like, are you talking to me here? Like, you, you, can't, you looked at me, but you were, you were actually talking to me, right? Like, there's no way. There's no way. I asked my wife this week. I was like, hey, man, I, babe, I've got, got a little writer's block. I need an illustration. I said, you got an illustration where, uh, or can you think of a time when people were, when someone was talking, but they, like, you didn't think you were, that, that they were talking to you. Right? Because I, I had no illustration. She's like, oh, I've got the perfect one. This will relate to everybody. She was like, when I was in school, back in elementary school, like I'd always be doing my work and minding my business and, you know, sitting front row and obeying the teacher and everything. And then, you know, the jerks in the back would be acting up. And the teacher would say, all right, I, I, like enough. We like, um, uh, you're like, we, we're, we're, we're talking too much. We're, we're, we're acting out. Everyone get out a piece of paper. You got to write lines. I will not misbehave. And Brittany was like, I, I'm like, yes, come, punish them, punish them. And she's like, Brittany, get out your paper. Everyone's writing lines. She's like, you're talking to me? And I thought, that is such a sweet illustration that I cannot relate to in the slightest. <laughs> she said it so calmly. She's like, this'll, this'll slay. And I'm like, that's great. I was the guy spitting spitwads in the back that got you in trouble. I have no idea what your experience is like. <laughs> they were for sure talking to me. Um, 
But Peter's like that. He's like, man, you ain't talking to me. There's no way. Because I'm good. I'm, I'm ready. Right? And, and, and it's almost like he's nudging Jesus a little, saying like, Jesus, would you clarify for everybody? Would you clarify that this is for the non-believers? <laughs> right? Would you clarify this is for them? Because this is not for us. Because, you know, as Christians, we're ready. There's nothing to get ready for, Jesus. We already said, we already said yes to you. There's nothing to get ready for. How many of you, by show of hands, are type A planners? You're big preparers. You love planning. You love preparation. Yeah. You, you raise those hands in shame a little. It's like, I don't know. It's a little much. It's a little much. Um, my wife and I are getting ready to, and my, you know, I've told you this before, my wife's a big planner. My, my, my wife and I are getting ready to celebrate our 15-year wedding anniversary coming up next month. Big deal. I appreciate that. 15 years. I don't know why our world and everyone's obsessed with multiples of five, but anytime it hits a five-year multiplier, it's like, man, that's a big deal. Five, 10, 15, 20. We're at 15. And so the way we're celebrating is uh, we are going on a cruise together. All right? No kids. Praise God for COVID cruise prices, right? No, <laughs> nobody wants to get on a boat <laughs> trapped with other people <laughs> with a deadly virus going around, apparently. Um, we'll do it. No big deal. <laughs> Free food? Absolutely. Unlimited drinks? Sign me up. Give me COVID. Um, but she's ready for it, man. She's ready. She's prepped. She's got like outfits picked out for each night. And she's like, what are you going to wear to the formal night? I'm like, babe, I don't know. I, I don't need to know. She's like, no, no, you have, you have to pick out what you're going to wear. I'm like, well, I've got one suit, my Marion and Barion suit. So I'll wear my Marion and Barion suit <laughs> on the plane. She's like, well, what are you going to wear for the second formal night? I'm like, I, this is too much for me. I'm not ready for this. Okay. I'm not ready. Right? She's got everything planned out. She knows exactly what's going on. I'm like, girl, I don't have to get ready because I've already paid for the cruise. I'm in, right? You must feed me and give me drinks. And like, I, I don't, I, I can just show up. I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to, I don't have to get ready. And see, I, I think that that approach is actually how most Christians um, coast in their spiritual life after they've said yes to Jesus. It's like, man, I got baptized. I did the thing. I raised my hand. I prayed the prayer. I said the thing. And so, yeah, 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 God, God would love it if I would be prepared and I would do the things he wants to do. But man, come on, it's, it's not that big of a deal, right? That's what Peter's feeling. He's like, Jesus, would you go ahead and tell them that there's two groups? Would you just tell them that you're either in or you're out, right? You turn or you burn. Like, you just, go, just make, come on, clear this up for everybody. And the way Jesus responds is very complicated, it's almost as if, and when, you, when, you, when we read it, you're going to be like, wow, that's, that's super confusing. Because it's almost like Jesus is saying to Peter, hey, you think being God's really easy. You think it's as easy as just you said yes or you didn't. You think it's as easy as just, you know, dividing the two groups. He's like, if you really want me to clarify for you what it's like to be God, if you really want me to divide these categories up... <laughs> I'm going to show you how complicated it gets. Look at what he says in verse 42. It says, the Lord answered. It's almost like he ignores Peter's question, shushes him. Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing what he asked him to do when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he's going to put him in charge of all of his possessions. He did the thing he was supposed to do, and, and it's good. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master's taking a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, to eat and drink and get drunk. 
The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he is not aware of, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Then, but, you know, the servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready, does not do what the master wants, he will be beaten with many blows. But then there's some servants, the one who does not know, he does not know, he does not know, and still does things deserving punishment, he will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I told you it's confusing. Jesus says, you think it's as easy as just saying two groups. You either said yes to Jesus or not. He's like, you know, it's partially two, but it's actually a lot more complicated than that. See, being God's a complicated deal. There's a lot of wrongs to right in this world. There's a lot of injustices that he has to fix. There's a lot of issues he has to work through involving us. <laughs> There's a lot of things that we have complicated and that we have messed up. And yes, he loves us. And yes, he forgives us. And, and also he has to end the wrongs that we have caused. It's a complicated deal to be God. He said, you think there's two groups. There's actually more like four groups, right? There's the people who know better and they do better. Right, the servant who knows what the master wants and he does it, he says, for him, it's going to go great, right? It's going to be awesome. The, the master is going to serve him. He's going to be treated well. I mean, oh my gosh, you know better and you do better. It's all good. So, but then there's people who will know better and they do the opposite. They actually tear down the master's kingdom, right? And we have to call that for what it is. There are people in our world today, and, and you know this, it's just hard to admit out loud because again, it's not very PC in our culture, there are people in our world who despise justice, who actively work against mercy and who espouse hatred in our world. There are people that are, they know better and they do the opposite and our world is a worse place because of it, right? And, and God can change those people, right? Because, I mean, come on, the, the, the New Testament says that Paul, the greatest missionary to ever live, wrote the vast majority of the New Testament. He started off as a murderer of Christians, he, he was tearing down God's kingdom and God can change lives like that, right? But there is that group. He says, then there's a third group. There's group of people who know better. They know what the master wants. And it's not that they don't, it, it's, it's not that they do the opposite. They just don't do what they're supposed to do. They, just, they, they know better. They just don't do better. Then he says, there's a fourth group who actually don't know better and they don't do better. There's a group of people that actually don't know what the master wants. And so what they do is reckless and they don't even truly understand it. And, 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 and again, I know what you're thinking. It's the same thing that the crowd thought when Jesus preached it. Everyone that heard this started going, oh gosh, which category am I? Oh no. Am I the know better and do better? Probably not. Am I the know better and do the opposite? No, that's Hitler. Am I the know, <laughs> am I the know better and don't do better? Probably, but I don't like that. Am I the don't know better and, and don't do better? I don't know. I'm dumb. I don't know. Like, which one am I? In? And then there's all kinds of other questions, like, 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 man, Jesus said that the ones who don't know better and don't do better get punished less severely than the ones who do know better and don't do better. But yet they're still included. Both of these groups are still included. They just get punished. The group that, te that tears down God's kingdom, they get, oh, there's just, oh, there's a lot of questions. It's confusing. It's hard to be God. It's a complicated job. But don't miss the point. Don't miss the forest for the trees in this. Because keep in mind, what's the thing Jesus has, has given more time to in this passage than anything else? If you know better and do better, you're good. 
If you know what you're supposed to do and you do it, it's going to be very good for you. You're fine. You're fine. You don't have to worry about it. Like, yeah, God's got a whole lot of sorting out to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's complicated. A lot, of, a lot of issues, a lot of factors. We don't understand it all. If you know what you're supposed to do and you do it, you are good. It's almost like Jesus is trying to say to all the crowds, I know the world is complicated, but man, if you will stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. If you'll stay prepared, if you'll keep your heart in a place where you are ready to do the thing that God asks you to do when he asks you to do it, you are set. Keep in mind, you can't divorce this passage from what we've been talking about all month. He rolled right in from the previous passages into this. Remember in the previous passages, he said, hey, first let's deal with your hypocrisy. Man, you don't have to pretend to be somebody you're not. You're enough. I love you. You're enough. Then he says, hey, let's, let's deal with greed for a second. Whew, I know it's hard worrying about money and finances. Man, if you have me, you have enough. You can let that go. You can let that go. I'm gonna take care of you. He said, now, now, now let's move to anxiety and worry. Whew, I know there's a lot to be anxious about, but if you'll just let that go and say, I've had enough, Man, you can live so free. Do you see what he's doing? Hypocrisy and greed and anxiety. He's trying to clear the path in your soul. He's trying to clear out all the junk so that then he can say this and say, this, if you'll clear all that out, you will be ready. You'll be ready to do whatever God asks you to do. You'll be ready to, when he says jump, you say how high. If you stay ready, you ain't gotta get ready. You're good. You can just live in the confidence, live in the joy, live in the trust that you're set, God will work it all out in the end and it's gonna be good and perfect. But if you stay ready, you ain't gotta get ready. You are, you are set. And, and, and here's the deal. Each of us, just like in this moment, remember Jesus is talking to thousands, all in different places spiritually. Some of them were the disciples and they were sitting front row and they loved it. Some of them were sitting in the back rows and they were skeptical and unsure. He says to all of us, you gotta stay ready. And all of us, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, we are held accountable to what God is asking us to do. You're accountable for what God is asking you to do, not what he's asking the person sitting next to you to do. And God, whether you believe in him or not, he is prompting you to do things in your life right now. And you're responsible to respond. You're responsible for what God has given you. That's why, that's why he says, remember verse 48, he says, For every, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. From the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Some of you in this room have been given so much. I mean, some of you in this room were raised in the church. We act like that's a bad thing. It should be a blessing. It, it should be beautiful. You've grown up with the truth of who God is your whole life. Oh my gosh. You were saved from so many regrets because you had godly parents. Oh my gosh. You've been given so much. And so you might be at a point in your journey where God is actually asking you to do more. God's asking you to contribute financially to the local church more than you ever have. God's asking you to serve. God's asking you to lead a group. God's asking you to go on a mission trip. God's asking you to start a new business. God's asking you to do something big, right? Because he's given you a lot. And you are responsible to do what God has asked you to do. Some of you in the room are just new into this thing. It's a, it's a new thing that you're considering who God is and, and God is asking you and you can feel it. That's why you came to church today, right? You could feel it in your spirit. You're supposed to be here. God is nudging you and prompting you and telling you to keep your mind and your heart open to the reality that your beliefs might not be right. You might need to make a change. 
you might need to be convinced of some things that you were previously opposed to, right? And, and, and your next step is just stay open, keep coming to church, and you are responsible for that. God's asking you to do that. You are accountable to what God is asking you to do, not always asking somebody else to do. He's asking you to keep your heart in a place where you are ready, where, where, where if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. You don't have to worry about it. You're good. See, because at the, at the end of the day, what God really wants, what, what he wants more than anything from you, from I, no matter where you are spiritually, he wants faithfulness. He wants faithfulness. And faithfulness looks different for everybody. It looks like you saying yes to the thing that God is asking you to do. It's faithfulness. Jesus said the, most, the greatest reward you will ever receive is when you die or Jesus comes back, whichever comes first, and you stand before Jesus face to face, and he looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You did it. You did what I asked you to do. Oh, it's going to be good for you. You did the thing that you know you were supposed to do. Oh, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm telling you, on that day, we're going to lay every trophy we ever earned down at his feet. On that day, we're going to lay down every bit of income we ever earned at his feet. We'll lay down every promotion at his feet. We'll lay down everything we have at his feet. When he says, well done, good and faithful servant, it'll be the greatest thing we could have ever received in our lives. God wants faithfulness. God wants faithfulness. And I know for a fact, some of you in this room right now have been delaying You've been putting off the thing that you know you're supposed to do. For some of you, there's a relationship that you're supposed to reconcile and you've known it, you've known it, you've known it, you've known it, and you've talked yourself out of it. And God just wants you to be faithful. And I know it's hard to initiate that conversation. I know it's hard to address conflict. I know it's easier to sweep it under the rug. But come on, you know. You know what God wants you to do. He's just asking you to be faithful. Some of you know, you know you should be more involved in church. You know you're not teaching your kids a good lesson right now. You know that they're observing your relationship with church right now. He's asking you to be faithful. He's asking you to make sacrifices to show the next generation how important he is. You know it. You just gotta be faithful. And you gotta stop delaying it. See, as I, as I was thinking about this word faithfulness and I was applying it to my own life, there, there was this phrase that I feel like God gave me and he was impressing on my heart, he was convicting me with, that I know he wanted me to share it with you. And I believe it's gonna convict some people towards action today. And that line is simply this, that delayed faithfulness is not faithfulness. When God is asking you to do something, delayed faithfulness is not faithfulness. It's disobedience. See, you think you're good. You think like, I'm on the cruise, I'm good. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, I'm sure God would rather me be a little bit better. I'm sure he'd rather me clean up. I'm sure he'd rather me, you know, wear something nice to the formal event. I'm, but come on, we're on the cruise, we're good. And that's not faithfulness. Delayed faithfulness is not faithfulness. It's disobedience. See, Jesus did not delay in his faithfulness to you. He didn't delay. I love how Paul writes it in Romans chapter five. It's one of my favorite verses. He says, you see, at just the right time, what a phrase, at just the right time, right when you need it, there was no delay, no pause, no hesitation. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God 
demonstrates his own love for us in this, that at just the right time, at just the right time, without delay, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you so much that there was no delay. And he stretched out his arms and he died on a cross for you to bring you into the life you were created to live. And so in response to that kind of love, we ought to respond with in the moment faithfulness. We ought to respond and do the thing that God is asking us to do right now. And so for some of you, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit works in your life over these next moments. Um, I would love to think that I could be a surgeon and get in there and just diagnose exactly what he's asking you to do, but that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And many of you know right now in this moment what you're supposed to do, what you've been delaying. And I'm praying that God, through the power of his love for you, through the power of the cross, that he gives you compelling reason to be faithful, compelling reason to not delay, but to do what you're supposed to do. And for some of you, maybe it is baptism. You know, for some of you, maybe it is, you've, you've known for a long time you're supposed to do this and you've been putting it off. And I believe that the power of the spirit of God might convict you this morning that it's time to stop delaying. And that might even be what baptism is for you, Right? Some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. This is not symbolic of a new journey for you. This might be symbolic for you of a new day where you're going to start responding to God in the moments. When he says jump, you say how high. When he says walk, you say how far. Where do you want me to go? That this could be symbolic of that moment for you where you shift and you're not going to put off the things of God and just rest in the comfort and security of, of salvation. Yes, you're going to be saved. Yes, you're going to be saved. You shouldn't doubt that but you're going to miss out on everything God has for you if you don't start responding in faithfulness. And so I want to pray that for us. I want to pray that for us as a church. You know, I, I said this last service and, and it was so funny. I, had, I, had, I didn't have this in my notes or anything, but it's just like I was looking at first service and now I'm looking at you all. I'm like, gosh, there's going to come a day where we all stand together in heaven as Peak City Church. I know it's like, we're all the big C church and we're all together. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. But also I think there's going to come, it'll be like a, little family reunion and we'll stand before God as Peak City Church and I just don't want to stand before God as our church and say that we were the kind of church that we knew what we were supposed to do but we kept putting it off I want to be the kind of church that just said man we stand before God and we say God whenever you ask us to do something we didn't always get it right but man we were ready to move we were inspired and compelled by your love to act I just want to pray that for us today and then we're going to celebrate some baptisms so after I'm done praying I'm going to walk out the back doors and if today's your day, meet us out there. We got everything that you could possibly need. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> Let's pray together. Jesus, oh, Jesus, we love you. And we're so grateful that you loved us when we needed the most, that you didn't delay our rescue. We're grateful for the cross. And God, I pray that the power of the cross, the power of your love would compel us to action today. God, you took action on our behalf. You loved us that much. So God, let us take action now in response to that love. God, I pray for marriages in the room that need to be reconciled. I pray for hard financial decisions that need to be made today. I pray for jobs that we aren't entirely sure are gonna be there in six months. God, I pray for all the work and career decisions that have to be made. God, I pray for all the relationships with coworkers that need to be mended. God, I pray for all the mental health issues that are going on right now. And that, God, there are people here that know they need counseling. They know they need to take a step. God, I just pray for the power 
the inspiration to act on that. God, let us be a church of action. And God, I pray for anyone in the room right now who is uncertain. God, they feel you calling them to give their lives to you. They, they, they feel you calling them to baptism. God, I pray you give them the courage to say yes. The courage to say yes. And Jesus, we trust you. We love you. And it's in your powerful name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for weekly recordings of Sunday service and follow us on Spotify and Apple Music for weekly audio recordings and podcasts. Thank you.